Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. So, uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. It says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for the worship. I just ask that you bless this message in Jesus' name. Amen. But for us today, I want to talk to you on the thought of say what. And uh, I thought about trying to, you know, put some emphasis when I said that title, but my acting skills aren't that great. So you see the question mark there. You can you get the point of what uh, we're saying with that. So uh, the next three weeks with this uh, fast going on and and if the Lord lays it on your heart to fast in any other way than the negativity fast, please be obedient to that. We just wanted to do something that everybody could do no matter what kind of uh, diet restrictions you may have for health reasons. So uh, keep that in mind, too. But for these three weeks, we're focusing on keeping the negative out of not speaking negatively and trying to be intentional with being positive uh, with, with everything that we have going on. And so I thought it would be a, a good idea to talk about the power and the purpose uh, of our words for just a little bit today. And maybe I'll say something you've never heard before, or maybe it would just be a good reminder of some things that you've heard in the past. Because one of the most difficult things that we all have to do with is controlling this tongue. And uh, that's one of the reasons my plan is for... Uh, if everything goes well, the next couple of weeks is to be talking about uh, the Holy Spirit some because uh, that's one of the main reasons you need Holy Spirit in your life because you can't control your tongue. You can be good on some days, but as far as the whole, uh, the whole issue of taming the tongue, it's beyond our power. Um, and that's why we need God's help with it. So I want to talk to you about what we say because so many times we say things and we, we don't even think about what we're saying especially men. We don't think about what we're saying. We don't realize what we've said. And maybe you've had this happen to you, but you say something to your wife or anybody, and then she says, I can't believe you just said, and when she repeats it, it's not what you said, but it is what you said. (laughs) And you have to tell her, you say, I didn't mean that. And she'll say, but you just said this. And so then you have to go into the whole thing. I know, but here's what I meant. And you tell it over again the right way. Because sometimes, even when we have the best of intentions, we just say the wrong things. It just comes out wrong. It just, it's, and most of the time, it's because we start talking before we've actually started thinking. And uh, it gets us in trouble. It gets me in trouble a lot. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm working on it. But I'm still a work in progress. And so the Bible tells us that the power of life and death is in the tongue. 
It's a very powerful thing. And so when we first started talking about the fast we were going to do, um, uh, I told you that we had to realize that our words connect us to things. And we know that Jesus is the Word because the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. We know Jesus is the Word of God. And so when you take it from that standpoint, when everything had gone wrong, God used the Word. He used the Word to bridge the gap or connect with humanity again, to restore fellowship with the Father. He used the Word to connect with us. And so it's only fitting that we use our words to connect with God, or, or at least we should. And it's more than just speaking uh, life and death. Usually when we start talking about this and we, the power of life and death being in the tongue, we get all into uh, speaking blessings and not curses, and that's important. There's a place for all of that, but it's also your words are connecting you to something, and we need to be mindful and intentional of that. Your words are either connecting you to life, which is God, and you being in fellowship with Him, or your words are connecting you to death, which is the enemy. And we don't want to be in fellowship with Him. John 15, verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And then I'll go ahead and read verse 16 too. Verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So I want to talk about these two real quick, um, and probably going to read them again. But verse 7, so many of us, we, we focus on the do's and don'ts of what we think the requirements are to, stay, uh, to abide in him. And uh, a lot of people worry about that stuff without ever considering if his words abide in us. They're so worried about it, which is important, abiding in him, but is his word abiding in you? So he didn't say follow these rules and whatever you ask is going to be done for you. He said if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you ask what you desire and it will be done for you. There's a difference there. And so the words that the, are the words that abide in us today, are they his words or are they the words of the world? And we probably don't want to, want to answer that. When that situation comes up or that event or that, you know, that problem, are the words that begin to come up in our spirit and flow out of us, are they, are they his words or are they the same words that the person who doesn't even know him would say about the situation? What are, what are we speaking? See, everything works if we'll abide in him and his words abide in us. But there are a lot of good Christians out there that never, they never consider their words. Maybe you've been around them. They, they, as far as religious standpoint, they live this really strict lifestyle, but it really doesn't match up with what flows out of their mouth. What flows out of their mouth is defeat, negativity, uh, comparison, criticism, and some, some of them just straight out hatefulness. There's some people that live strict lives that are pretty mean. I don't know if you've ever ran into one, but it's not a very fun uh, experience. It's, they never consider their words. See, if his words abide in us, then what we ask for is going to line up with his word. And when that, when that happens, it's going to be done. If his words abide in us, then his will becomes our will. And that's what it's all about. Now, in uh, verse 16... He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit 
and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, with this verse, many times a lot of us will uh, focus on bearing fruit. And uh, we think that, that bearing fruit is the key to God answering prayer because we tend to think that we have to earn everything. Kind of like the do's and don'ts of abiding in Him. We think we have to earn it. And so we focus on that. And bearing fruit is important. It's an important part of it, but you then you have to ask yourself, what's the key to bearing fruit? And we are called to bear fruit. We have been appointed to bear fruit. Fruit that remains. He tells us that. So what's the key to that? I want to propose to you that the key is abiding in Him and His words abiding in you is the key to bearing fruit. If you try to do it any other way, you're going to work yourself to death. And that's why you have a lot of those hateful Christians out there. They're tired. They've been working hard for 30 years. See, it's difficult to bear fruit on your own. And the thing about it is, is there's some people out there that they're very talented. God has really gifted them. And I'm not even going to say that it's impossible to bear fruit on your own. I think there's probably some people gifted enough out there to bear some fruit, but they're not going to bear fruit that remains. There's only one way you're going to bear fruit that remains, and that is if you abide in Him and His words abide in you. And so when you think about it, His, His words abiding in us is the way that we live life more abundantly. And isn't that what everybody's after? If you're a Christian, if you love God, so one of the keys to living the abundant life is answered prayer. I mean, if, you, if your prayers are never answered, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little difficult to live the abundant life. So that's one of the keys, and we can see from these verses that one of the keys to answered prayer is His words abiding in us. Because when His word abides in us, we're going to abide in Him. We're going to bear fruit. We're going to bear fruit that remains. We can't bear fruit that remains without Him. And it all goes back to our words, and what are those words connecting us to? Are they connecting us to life or to death? And so with that, that mindset, if our words agree with God's word, then that's when the Lord become, uh, comes alongside of us and life is created. If our words agree with what the enemy is saying, then he's more than happy to come along too. And he's going to call loss and death because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And now... Sometimes when you start talking about declarations and words and people get all bent out of shape and they, you know, some people love word of faith preachers, some people hate word of faith preachers, but a lot of it is just stuff gets misunderstood and some guys just get way out in left field. It just happens. It happens in every type of uh, denomination or belief system or whatever you want to, organization, whatever you want to call it. But uh, the declarations I've said before and I'll say every now and then for, I guess, forever uh, to explain it to people, we don't declare things to make God do something. Uh, it's not magic words. And a lot of people talk about praying the promises of God. That's important, but it's not that you're reminding God about His promises. He hasn't forgotten any of them. We're the ones that forget them. And so when you're making declarations and you're speaking His words, what you're doing is you're tearing down wrong belief systems in your mind that have lined up with the world and not the Word. 
And then you're building up the correct belief systems so that you can uh, be where you need to be in your faith. And then God comes along and does the work. It's not that I say, because I say this, this uh, you know, if I say there's a million dollars in my bank account, it's not going to make it show up, no matter how many times I say it. Wait a minute. May, yeah, well, I, maybe one day it'll be there. It's not going to make it show up today. But, but, you know, sometimes people, they, they get into that. And so they, because they see the ridiculous side that some people talk about, they just pass off the importance of their words altogether. And we need to understand how important those words are. Because, see, uh, the devil loves to hear us declare that our finances are never going to improve. He loves to hear us say things about how our health is never going to get any better. I've just been sick too long. He loves to hear us say that our marriage isn't going to get any better. He loves to hear us talk about our spouse or our kids or our jobs or our boss and say they're, they're driving us crazy. He loves that. He'll partner with that stuff all day long, every day, especially if we continue to connect to those things with our words. Even if it's true, you don't have to say it. You can be careful and intentional with what comes out of, out of your mouth. We need to break this by being like Jesus. Jesus spoke what the Father was saying. In John 14, verse 10, it says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So Jesus spoke, uh, spoke the words of the Father and the Father did the works. Now, that sounds very familiar to John 15, 7 that we just read, where he said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. It will be done for you. You don't even have to do it. God's going to take care of it. That's what Jesus did. He spoke what the Father was saying. He did what the Father was doing, and God did the works. See, it's amazing how much easier our lives would be if we would just say what we hear the Father saying through the Word of God, through the Bible. But so many times we don't. Many times because we don't even pick it up until we don't have anywhere else to turn. And so this also applies with our words towards each other because we're supposed to help one another out. We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to lift one another up and encourage one another. But many times we don't until someone's so down and out we just don't know anything else to do for them. So we just you know, shoot them a smile. And this can apply to any relationship, but just think about it in the, in the marriage relationship. There have actually been studies done that show a, a correlation of negative words and put-downs with failed marriages. But so many of us will just say whatever we want to say, and like it's, there's no consequences. Uh, in these studies, people that put their spouse down uh, I can't remember the actual numbers, but if they put their spouse down, they, it was way more regularly than the ones who didn't end up divorced, the ones who did. In fact, it was uh, so much of a difference that the people doing the research could predict a failing relationship or a failing marriage more accurately from that one simple factor than they could from the other factors, which included uh, being compatible in your interest and even economic backgrounds and what they may be going through uh, financially at the time. They could determine and they could predict which marriages would succeed and which marriages would fail 
more accurately just based on the words that the couples would use toward each other. So you have to ask yourself, no, what would God say about that person? And is that what we're saying? Not about what they're doing, but about that person. You can be upset with what they're doing. You can not be in agreement with what they're, what they're doing, but what would God say about that person? Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now, we hear these two uh, verses of Scripture Usually, maybe every Valentine's Day or some you know, special day like that. We've probably all heard it and uh, read this. But most of the time, you only hear the first part. The, it's the first scripture that's quoted. Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her. But what about the second verse? What about the part, have you ever noticed it? Have you ever given it any, any thought to what's taking place here? According to this verse... Jesus cleanses or sanctifies the church by washing it with the word. See, now this, this applies to women as well today, but, but for the men, we usually don't have a problem with that first verse or the first part of these two verses. We don't have a problem with that at all because, you know, we're men. It's almost like it's been, we've been taught that, that thing about laying down your life for your wife or your kids. So we were like, we don't have a problem with that. I would lay down my life in a heartbeat for my wife. I would lay down my, I wouldn't have a problem doing that for my wife or my kids, but what are our words doing? Are we cleansing them and washing them with the words that we speak? Are we encouraging them? Are our words healing and restoring them with all the things that they have to face in life? Or are we washing them with the word or are we just throwing more mud on them like the world does with everything that they go through and with the ba every bad decision that they make or every wrong decision that they make? Do our words bring deliverance or destruction? And this goes for, for women as well with what you speak to your spouse and what you speak to your children. Look, maybe your spouse and your kids, maybe they're not good at a lot of things. Maybe they come up short with a lot of things. Maybe you should quit looking at them like you want to say amen. <laughs> I should, I'm just kidding. But they are good at something. There's something they're good at, even if it's just getting on your nerves. They're good at something. Start there. Start with that. Point out the good. Find something good to talk about. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to find bad stuff to talk about? I was complaining at the volleyball tournament yesterday. You won't believe this, but I was. It was $20 to go watch your kid play for one day, $30 if you were going to stay the whole weekend. So mom and dad came, uh, drove up yesterday so that I could be there for Hannah's first games, and then we came back last night. So I paid for mom and dad's tickets and mine and Heather's. It was $92 for watch. Three games of volleyball, well, we didn't even get to watch the third game. We got to watch two games of volleyball, and they weren't even very good games. And not only were they not very good games, but one of the games, there, was, there wasn't anywhere to sit. They had taken all the seats. So uh, Heather had to stand. 
I don't know. She, I tried to get her to take my seat. She wouldn't do it. But she, so I sat down. She stood. That sounds horrible. <laughs> but she wouldn't do it. And, uh, and I was complaining after that game so bad. I was like, I wonder how you, who you can complain to about this. You pay $30 to come in. They should at least have a seat for you. You're already paying all this money for your kid to play. You're paying for a hotel. You drove up here. You got to buy all this food. And then you pay $30 after standing in line in the cold to get in. And Heather said, what about the negativity fast? I said, that starts. I said, I said that starts tomorrow. And I'm getting it all out today. And then I tried what we all tried. I said, and really, I'm not being negative. I'm just pointing out the obvious here. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. We have to be. What point was I at in this message? Um, oh, they're good at something. Yeah. Point out that what they're good at. and go. I mean, it's just easy to get into that in that rabbit hole of complaining and being offended. And then I, we watched two ladies almost get into an argument over seats in front of us. I wasn't going to fight anybody over a seat, but I was going to watch a good fight if one broke out. <laughs> I did take a quick view to see who had the biggest husband. One of them, I couldn't see her husband. The other guy, I think his wife was going to hold her own, so I think he was all right either way. But, but... But we have a whole world where everybody's offended and everybody's upset, everybody's aggravated because all they focus on is their reason for being upset and offended. Everybody in here's got a reason. Everybody in here, it would take you no time to think of something and a reason why to be upset today. But we have to break that as children of God. We have to begin speaking positively and, and, and to each other. And putting other people first. If everybody in that place yesterday would have put other people first, it wouldn't have been a problem. But some people, they just think that they're entitled, so they don't want to help anybody else out. And it usually causes a lot of grief. See, we might be surprised what a few kind words can do if we would just speak them. You know, there's a lot of people that, especially in uh, Pentecostal denominations, they're, they're praying for power. They want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. So they're praying, Lord, I, I give me the gift of healing. Well, what if I told you you've already got the gift of healing and it's right here? You could speak healing. To, you, you're not doing anything with the gift he already gave you. And you just want him to give you some kind of zapping ability to walk up to people. I mean, oh, I wish I had the gift. Of, I wish I had, could operate in, in faith. Well, have you been building your faith with what he's given you? I wish I could operate in miracles. Have you been speaking miracles? I wish I could operate in uh, any of the gifts of the Spirit or whatever it is, but He's given you the power of life and death in your tongue, and you won't even take that serious. And you expect Him to trust you with something else. And I'm really speaking to myself here because I've prayed for all those, all those things too, but it's, it's still a good point whether you like it or not, is that we, won't, we will not take the little things serious enough because we just want these big, impressive things in our life that everybody else can pat us on the back about. I like getting patted on the back like anybody else, but the most important thing is well done, good and faithful servant on that day. And he's given every person in here, you have the power of life and death in your tongue. What are you doing with it? Are you speaking it over people? Are you speaking it over your family? Are you speaking it, are you speaking it over yourself? 
So I have a story for you that I'm going to close with. And did, uh, did I get up here a lot earlier today or am I just speaking a lot faster? We'll blame it on Justin. He threw me under the bus. Is it negative to throw him back if he threw you first? I don't think so. But our words are so powerful and we need to be intentional. During this time of fasting, I, I really believe that if we will take it seriously, it may seem like a silly thing, just focusing on not being negative, just, just reading these positive declarations every morning. I encourage you to read the scripture verses that are connected to them. Go, go look them up. I've been doing that in my, my time with them. I started a week early. So I encourage you to do that with it, but other than yesterday when I was complaining, I started a week early. <laughs> but uh, I think there could be a powerful impact because it's the same thing. It's just, it seems like something small and silly, but those are the things that God loves to use to cause turnaround and to cause change in people's lives. And so I was reading this story uh, I was reading it from a book that was quoting it from another book. So I don't know the name of the biography, um, but it was talking about this seminary professor. And uh, he was on vacation and he was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And so he's something about going on vacation in the mountains. Everybody wants to eat pancakes. You know how they have all those breakfast places? Like, you can be a person that never eats breakfast, but if you go to the mountains on vacation, you're going to go to one of these pancake houses. Uh, and so he goes to one of those places, and it's him and his wife. I can't remember if there were any kids or not, but he's in there, and he's wanting to have this breakfast, and there's this older white-haired gentleman that's walking around talking to everybody, one of the local guys. And so, you know, this guy's a seminary professor, so he's obviously, he's got it all together about being positive like we've been talking about. And so he's positive when he tells his wife, I hope that crazy old man doesn't come over here and bother us while we're eating breakfast. And as soon as he says it, sure enough, the guy makes eye contact and here he comes. And so he comes up to him and he, he says, hey, where are you, uh, how are you guys doing today? And they say, we're doing good, being polite with him. And he says, where are y'all from? And they tell him, can't remember the place. And uh, he says, so what do you do for a living there? He says, I'm a seminary professor, and he could see it in the old guy's eyes that he said the wrong thing. He said, oh, so you teach people to preach, huh? And he said, yeah, I teach people to preach. He said, I got a story for you. He said, this will be a great preacher's story. This will be a great sermon story. And so he's thinking to himself, this is exactly what I went on vacation for, to hear another <laughs> preacher's story, like I haven't heard all of them as a seminary professor for all these years but he entertains the guy. He says, okay. And so he points, and he's pointing to some mountains over there, and he says, just a few mountains over that way, uh, years ago there was a, a little boy born to an unwed mother. And he said his mom never told anyone who his father was. No one knew. And so the little boy never knew anything about his dad, didn't know his name, didn't know where he's from, no, no information at all. And as the little boy started to get older, people would ask him who his dad was. And he was completely clueless. He couldn't even say, oh, you know, he had no information at all. And so the kids would laugh at him because he didn't even know who his dad was. And so this developed a complex in the, in the boy, and it kept getting worse and worse because 
a lot of people in the area, being the place that they were at, they were just asking out of innocence. They just were wondering whose kid he was. Some of the other kids who realized it bothered them, they were doing it out of meanness. And so it developed a, a phobia in this kid and an anxiety that he didn't want to be around anyone. He avoided everybody that he could avoid. And it even was to the point that he would hide from people, and, uh, but he had to go to church on Sundays, which was one of his most difficult places. And so he, he had even developed a system at church to where he came in late and didn't have to talk to anybody. And he would get out of the church, the first one out every Sunday, and not have to talk to anybody. Well, when he was 12 years old, he comes to church, and there was a new pastor. And so what he didn't know is that this new pastor had made up his mind that as his first Sunday as pastor, he was going to make sure that he got to shake everybody's hand and talk to everybody. And so he had this plan that, of how he was going to end the service where nobody knew it was ending. And his plan worked. So he ends the service in a very strange way. The little boy's trapped in the pew, and now he's got to go out with everybody else. He has no, there's, there's no way around it. And so sure enough, as soon as he walks by, the new pastor puts his hand on the little boy's shoulder, and he says, hey there, buddy, how are you doing? Now, who's, da uh, who's your daddy? As soon as he says it, the little boy's face, you, he could see it all over his face. There become like a quietness out in the foyer because everybody in there knew you don't say that to this kid. And things got awkward fast. And so the pastor quickly realized there was an issue, but he wasn't sure what to do. So the Holy Spirit prompted him to just keep talking. Seems like he prompts a lot of preachers that way, don't he? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. And so he looks at the boy and he says, wait a minute. I know who you are. I can see the family resemblance. I can see it now. You're a child of God. And so now he kneels down. He's looking the boy square in the eyes with everybody else looking. And he grabs a hold of both shoulders. And he looks at him and he says, son, you have a great inheritance. Now go out and claim it. And he said from that day forward that the boy's life changed his way of thinking, just because of what this pastor said to him in about 15 seconds. Everything changed for him. He couldn't, when people asked him who his dad was, it no longer bothered him because he couldn't wait to tell them that he was a child of God. He couldn't wait to repeat what this preacher had, had said about him. And so the older gentleman is getting, uh, is getting up from their table now, and the professor and his wife are wiping tears out of their eyes. And he says, isn't that a great story? And the professor said, yeah, it was a really good story. And so the older gentleman told me he hoped they had, they had a good day, and he starts to walk away, and he turns back, and he says, oh, one more thing, professor. He said, you know, if that new pastor hadn't have told me that I was one of God's children, I probably would have never amounted to anything. And he just walks away. And so the professor, now he's stunned, probably eating some of his words like many of us do, of not wanting the man to even come over to his table. And so he calls over the waitress, and he says, Hey, do you know who that man was? And she said, Who are you talking about? He said, The, the white-haired man talking to everybody in this place. She said, Oh, yeah. She smiled. She said, Of course I do. Everybody knows who he is. That's Ben Hooper, the former governor of Tennessee. See, there's power of life and death in the tongue. 
And it, you don't have to be a pastor or a preacher or a teacher or anything. You don't have to have any position to use this power because he's given it to all of us. Those negative statements are hurting all of us more than we realize. And if we will just speak the word, it will empower, encourage, heal, and help us more than we could ever imagine. Every person in here, our words are powerful. Our words are connectors. Our words are gatekeepers. Our words are gate openers. See, I, I, I don't think there are any of us here today that plan on going the rest of your life without saying a word. And so since we're all going to be speaking and using words, the question is, what gate will we open? Will we open the gate that leads to life more abundantly and a closer walk with God and, and all the things that He wants you to walk and experience? Or are we going to keep opening that gate that leads to theft, death, and destruction and what the enemy wants for your lives? So this, this fast that we're doing, please take it serious. If you get off course one day, it's okay. You can start over. You can keep going. Your words are powerful. The power of life and death is in your tongue. You can speak that faith. You can speak that healing. You can speak that encouragement. You can speak those miracles. All, whatever it is, God has given you that ability. Because as you, as you abide in Him and His words abide in you and begin to flow out of you, that's when He comes along and He does amazing works for every person in here. Before I pray, I just want to say that it doesn't matter what you've been through, what your experience has been, what your situation, your circumstances. It doesn't matter what your past says about you. It doesn't matter what your family says about you. It doesn't matter what the enemy's saying about you. And what anyone has ever said about you, I just want to tell you today that when I look out, I can see the family resemblance. Every person in here, you are a child of God. You have an incredible inheritance. Now, why don't we go out and claim it? Why don't we trust what the Word says? Why don't we abide in Him and let His words abide in us? Try it His way. We've tried it our way for a long time, and it hasn't gotten us anywhere. Father, we just thank You for Your presence in this place today. Lord, we thank You for the power that You've given us. Help us not to take it lightly. Lord, help us to be intentional with what we speak. Lord, help us to bring healing and encouragement. Help us to uplift others, Lord. Help us to speak life to every situation. Help us to stay connected to you with the words that come out of us. God, help us to open the gate to the abundant life that you have for every person in here. God, we just give you honor and we give you glory for it. Lord, I pray that every person here today, Lord, that they would, they would understand the responsibility that they've been given. Lord, the unbelievable God encounters that they are going to be able to bring to other people if they stay in you and allow your words to stay in them. God, we just give you honor for it. and We just praise you for it today. God, I pray that this new year would just have unbelievable encounters and miracles for people that they would be able to witness and they would be able to share their faith and their testimony, God, and that every single one of us would realize how important we are to the kingdom how important we are to the Father, our Father, God. And Lord, I just want to, uh, every one of us, God, to just take this new year and every new opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus and to see Him receive all the glory. And God, we just give you the honor and the praise in Jesus' name.
We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.